Happy Wednesday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Before we get to today's special guest, here's a quick reminder. If you haven't already, subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you like what you hear in today's episode, consider leaving us a quick rating or even a review. We really love hearing what you think about the show. With that said, we're really excited to have our latest Sunbelt athlete join us on the Frarian Smith Podcast. It's the 10th athlete that we've had on the podcast. Kaden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about today's special guest? Another great one. And if you are a fan of the Sunbelt and you've played Old Dominion this year, you definitely know this guy's name because he probably tackled your favorite player multiple times. It's Old Dominion linebacker Jason Henderson, who currently leads the nation in tackles and has done ridiculous numbers we learned from high school all the way until now. Noah, tell us a little bit more about Jason Henderson and just the monster year and career he's been having. Yeah, last year, Jason garnered Conference USA All-Freshman Team honors along with earning true freshman All-American honors from Pro Football Focus after recording 80 tackles during his debut season in Norfolk. This year, though, Caden, he's gotten even better, and he's on a historic pace, shattering the program record for tackles in a single season. After just eight weeks of play, he has 15 or more tackles in six games, including a program record 22 tackles versus Georgia Southern in Week 8. He currently leads the country with 148 tackles, Caden, it's only 40 more than the closest competitor in UConn's Jackson Mitchell, who's actually played in an additional game this season. Jason has become one of the most feared men in the Sun Belt and is squarely in the conversation for the league's Defensive Player of the Year award. He's been an integral piece on Old Dominion's defense and will look to finish strong in the final weeks of the season. Uh, Jason's obviously a monster. He had a great year. He's been having a great year. And I think it was great to talk to him and learn a little bit about what makes a guy tick like that. You see the numbers and you see some of the crazy statistics and things he does on the field. And it was great to know the kind of the guy behind the helmet, the guy behind the stats. We had a great conversation with him and we can't wait for y'all to hear it. So without further ado, the one and only Old Dominion linebacker, Jason Henderson. Very special guest for this episode. It's the nation's leading tackler, one of the scariest guys on defense in the country and in the conference. It's one other than Old Dominion linebacker Jason Henderson. How you doing, Jason? I'm good. How are you? Can't complain. I can see you right now through the computer. You just came out of practice. Please don't tackle me. We know no one's safe from you right now, so just try your best not to jump through the computer and tackle me, but... Jason, tackles, just speaking about it, it's not something that's foreign to you. We looked at your high school stats. You had three seasons with over 100 tackles. When did you start playing football, and have you just always had a knack for being around the ball? I started playing football the summer before my fifth grade in uh, elementary school, I believe. And um, it's just something, you know, I just I love contact sports. So, you know, when I can make plays and, like, being on defense, and even when I used to play offense, you know, I just I, – I would never – you know, run away from contact. It's always something I've enjoyed. So no, you can't beat that. And, uh, you know, Jason, you were a, a three-star prospect coming out of uh, Delaware Valley high school. Uh, what options did you have as far as college offers and, you know, why ultimately did you decide that old dominion was the place that you needed to land? Um, I had a lot of FCS offers and a couple of FBS offers. I had one power five within Syracuse, but, um, you know, it's just coach Ronnie, um, has been recruiting me here at Old Dominion for a while now. And the relationship I was able to build with him and a few of the other coaches was huge to me. And, you know, it kind of almost felt like a family aspect. And that's what one one of the things I really love about him. And um, unfortunately for me, and not just me, but my whole entire, like, class, um, it kind of COVID happened. So it was it was very hard for me to go on, you know, official visits, unofficial visits. So truthfully, the only coaching staff I was really to meet in person 
was Coach Ronnie because I was able to go down to Penn State a couple times when I was still in high school and I got to meet him there. So, you know, with the situation I was given and just like kind of the things that was going on at the time in the world, it just felt like it was the best fit for me. You talked before about how you've been attracted to contact sports for a while, and we saw that you were also a successful wrestler in high school. You came in fifth place as a junior in the, in the Pennsylvania State Championships. What drew you to that sport? I'm guessing it's contact, but also just how did that make you a better football player as well, those two games and their commonalities? Um, wrestling's been a huge thing in my family. You know, my grandfather, he's in the Hall of Fame for wrestling, for coaching and stuff like that through New Jersey and I think throughout the nation as well. My dad... um could have been just as good if it wasn't for injuries but you know he got cut short a couple times unfortunately and it's just something that I was kind of born into you know it's in my blood and um yeah I mean it's another contact sport I love doing it and um wrestling wrestling and football both kind of worked well with each other you know wrestling would get me better at football and football would get me better at wrestling and wrestling just really helped me with my balance and you know a lot of the techniques were like tackling and stuff like that so it made me a better tackler and just all around better football player. Well, there's certainly been a lot of players in this league, I'm sure, that have wanted to tap out midway through the game with you on the other side. But that's kind of the perfect segue uh, into talking about your Old Dominion career a little bit. And, you know, last year, Old Dominion, you know, announces that they're moving to the Sun Belt ahead of this season after spending your freshman year in Conference USA. Um, you've now played in both leagues, and I just wanted to get your impressions of the Sun Belt this year and the quality of the football being played in the league. Um, You know, I love it. I mean, th there was definitely very good quality football in Conference USA, but, you know, Sunbelt is arguably one of the better uh, group of five conferences. And, you know, it's exciting. You know, I never want to run away from competition or anything like that. So, you know, for me, for me and, you know, my teammates and my team to be able to go into a new conference and, you know, be able to just do what we do and um, kind of enjoy it. It's exciting. Y'all started off the season with a bang with that upset victory against Virginia Tech earlier this season. You finished the game with 18 tackles and your team it was a great win. and It was a great watch for all the Sunbelt fans and all just the fans of college football. Just tell us what the locker room was like after the game and how big of a win that was for the program to start off the season. Yeah, oh, it, it was huge. You know, um, I believe it was our second uh, Power 5 win for the team and both of them were against Virginia Tech. And um, a couple of years ago before I'd gotten here, you know, there was another big upset while they played Virginia Tech. I think one of the years that they were ranked. So, um, you know, there was a lot of talk about that. And, you know, everyone was excited. Uh, we know the campus and all of our fans and stuff wanted to see us be successful and stuff. So, you know, we just tried to put on our best show for the fans, you know, come out with a win. Yeah, I think that is probably one of the bigger upsets of the year in the Sun Belt. I know it was a game that Caden and I, uh, you know, both enjoyed. Let's talk about another game that happened a couple weeks ago. And that was the game against Georgia State. In that game, you have 17 tackles again. That's kind of a, a, a pretty common theme for you this year. But in that game, you broke the Old Dominion single-season tackle record. Uh, what did that mean to you personally, kind of setting that mark here as a sophomore? Um, you know, it, me it meant a lot. Um, I, I was aware that I was close to getting the record. And, you know, it's just something that I didn't really want to think too much about because I didn't want it to ruin my focus on the game and, you know, impact the way that I played. So it was one of those things where in my head it was, just, you know, if it comes to me, I'll be very thankful for it. But if not, you know, you know, I got other times to be able to, you know, kind of try and break it then. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was very exciting after the game when I found out. Unfortunately, um, I wish things would have been a little bit different, but uh, I'm happy with it. And there's another guy on your team who's also very high up in that national um, recognition as far as statistics since your teammate, your wide receiver, Ali Jennings. Could you just talk to us about what makes him such a special player and just lining up across from a player like that and how he just gets your defense better week in and week out? Yeah, I mean, he, it, he works so hard during practice and during lifts and workouts and stuff like that. 
And, you know, that that's just a small part of it. You know, it, it's the biggest thing with him is it's not what he does during practice and lifts. It's what he does when nobody's watching and when, you know, nobody's asking of anything from him. He works so hard without anyone having to ask him or try and get anything from him. So the position he puts himself in to become a better football player, you know, not only allows him to become one of the, the better guys, but um, it just, like, it really helps our defense because it makes our defense have to work more, you know, during fall camp and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely not fun. We're lining up across the, uh, the ball from someone like that who can make a play at any, at any moment in time. So it definitely, definitely works. The defense and makes us better. This is the part of the podcast where Noah lets me put on my defensive nerd hat and talk a little bit about the game. And watching you play at linebacker, you're one of the most exciting guys in the conference to watch. And from watching you play, I just think you have the play style. It's a combination of you knowing your assignment every play, your gap assignment, your gap responsibility, and also just having a flat-out motor and getting to the ball. Would you say that's accurate? And just describe your play style to us. I would say it's, um, for the most part, accurate. You know, you know, sometimes I get greedy in tackles and I'll miss a gap, but um, that's something I've been working on every single week. But, you know, yeah, I, I love running to the football. You know, To me, making plays is having a good game. And, unfortunately, sometimes that goes against me because, you know, I could have a perfect – no, not a perfect game, but I could have a really good game and only have four or five tackles, but I won't think I did good. But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like me making plays makes me happy with the way that I'm playing and stuff like that. And it's also one of those things where I just got to keep, keep in mind that I have to be disciplined and stuff like that. And, yeah, I, I just – I've – Always had a thing for running to the football, and, you know, I, I, I try and give perfect effort on every single play. Well, you know, I think the way that you're describing your play, it's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, and I'm sure you watched a lot of linebackers growing up, and there's guys that you've tried to emulate, uh, you know, throughout your career on the field. Uh, if you had to give us kind of your linebacker, Mount Rushmore, you know, who are those guys that, you know, you grew up watching that maybe you're, are your favorite linebackers? I would have to say Ray Lewis and Luke Keekley, honestly. Those are those are two fantastic names there. Uh, you know, when you look at a guy like Luke Keekley played for the Panthers, why was he a guy that that you really keyed in on watching? He 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 was a great leader on defense. You know, he could tell the defense what play was coming before they even lined up the football and stuff like that. One of the biggest things about he watched so much film that he was able to, you know, know the play before it was even happening and stuff like that, which helped not only his teammates because, you know, you watch his highlights, you watch games he, he's calling out the offensive play and it's just allowing him to be able to fly to the ball do his job and make things easier for everybody we talked about some of your high school stats and you getting those 100 yard tack, 100 tackle seasons back to back to back and we're familiar with your current production and i think it's safe to say that your play style is clearly translated from the high school to the college level if you had to give any advice whether it's on the field or off the field to some younger linebackers who are maybe trying to break through get better and get into position like you what would you give to them and tell them Honestly, I think the biggest thing for me is you just got to find the passion in football. You know, it football is something I'm very passionate about and I love it, you know, and the, just that it, that itself allows me to, you know, be able to run to the football every single play, give the perfect effort, you know, not see it as anything, not see anything in football, whether it's a lift or a practice or an off-season workout, not seeing it as an obligation, but almost as an opportunity to, you know, be able to go play this game and put on a football jersey because not everyone's able to do it and to be able to do it is a blessing. Yeah, I think that's really cool. And, you know, when you talk about when you step foot on the field, one of the things that's been, you know, a huge topic of conversation in college football this year has just been uniforms. And they're obviously a huge part of, you know, recruiting and marketing in college football. And we've seen teams invest in kind of unique looks to highlight their brands. I know that Kate and I have talked in Old Dominion, in our opinion, has some of the best uniform combinations in the Sun Belt. 
We wanted to ask you, is there a specific combo that you like playing in that when you put on the opposing team is going to know that you're about to have a good game in? Um, I, I don't want to say that any single uniform is going to determine have, but my favorite uniform that we've worn so far was the navy blue pants, the navy blue jersey, and the uh, Hudson blue helmet. The Hudson Blue is definitely one of the favorites of mine for sure as far as the helmets go in the in the conference. And this weekend, y'all will be facing an in-state rival, James Madison's, for the first time on Saturday. The two schools have recently announced that this is going to be the royal rivalry challenge between these schools. It's a big in-state game. What are you most excited about with this matchup? Um, I'm just excited for another opportunity to go out onto the field with my teammates. You know, um, like you said, it's a, it's a new name, big-time rivalry. It's an in- I think everybody's excited for it. I think everyone, you know, around the area, maybe even down by them, I think everyone's excited for the matchup and we just can't get we can't wait to get to play on Saturday. I've got to ask you, you mentioned, you know, Hudson Blue a moment ago, and I we've we've asked people about this on the podcast before, but I wanted to know what your relationship with Hudson the dog is like. How much time do you spend with Hudson or is or is does he can you not really get him away from Zach Koontz that often? I mean, yeah, Hudson he definitely has the same people. He might not tell you that, but he definitely does. You'll see him wandering around with the same people, but um he I don't spend too much time with him, honestly. Uh, he's just he's he's very good with something where you know if you're having a bad day or a bad practice, just his presence will really help you out and uh, put your mood in a better kind of better area. And just like the vibes around practice, you know, when Hudson's around, everybody's happy. It seems like, and um, it's just he's he's a very good thing for this team. I think. Well, you know, I think to transition off of that on Saturday, y'all are going to be chasing another dog around the field in Todd Centeno, who's just had, you know, a fantastic season this year for James Madison. He's been leading the league in a lot of, um, you know, categories. Caden's talked a lot on this podcast about the difficulties of facing a mobile quarterback. And, you know, without giving away uh, any of the game plan for this weekend, tell us a little bit about the difficulties as a linebacker of stopping that dual threat quarterback and specifically, you know, on defense this week, what do you guys need to do in order to slow down number one? I think the biggest thing with that, truthfully, is just, you know, a lot of it's going to be getting on film, finding any tendencies that you could find with their offense and stuff like that, seeing what they do in certain situations, knowing the situation of the game, whether it's the down and distance and things like that, and kind of what they like to do, what their bread and butter plays are in certain different situations, and kind of just as long as you're disciplined and you play the game that you play, we should be all right. We like to ask this question a lot to transition a little bit to the, some of the off-the-field stuff. It's a regular one we have on the podcast, and I'm really excited to ask you about it, just specific to your play style. What does your pregame playlist look like? What, what, what kind of music are you listening to before the game to get in your zone? And if you were like a baseball player, you had a walkout and you had one song, what would that be? Um, I Honestly, I just kind of listen to whatever. I don't have a true playlist. I just kind of throw whatever music feels like I'm feeling in the moment. It could, it could truthfully, it could be country music, it could be rap music, it could be literally anything, whatever I'm feeling at the moment. But it, it's, it's funny. The song that I listen to right before I go out onto the field every single game, it dreams and nightmares because that's, it, it's a tradition that we had in high school. Ever since my freshman year in high school, before we went on the field, we would always play dreams and nightmares, and it's never stopped since. Well, you've certainly uh, turned your career into becoming that, you know, dream for your team and then nightmares for the opposing teams. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about football in this in this podcast so far, but what we wanted to know and what we try to do for our listeners is to kind of give them a peek inside the helmet. And what are some things that you like to do off the field? What are you doing outside of football to just, you know, let loose, have some fun? Some of the biggest things, you know, if it's off, like this past summer, um, me and my roommates, we uh, went down the street and went fishing in the bay a lot. That's something we like to do. Um, we like to play backyard games, stuff like that, whether it's cornhole 
and things like that. And um, another thing I really like to do is be able to talk, like get on the phone and talk to my family back home. It's not something I usually get to do a lot during the season, but when I do get the opportunity, it's definitely a very good thing for me because it allows me to relax my mind, kind of, you know, take my mind off of football for a little bit and kind of just focus on something else for a little bit before I have to get locked back. You talk about family there, and I just love that answer because it's a very underrated thing. I feel like in college sports with a lot of these athletes who have to travel away from home and not be as home nearly as much as they're used to being. And I remember seeing a recent interview where you talked about the impact your, both your mom and your dad on you, had on you with your sacrifices that they've done for you. Could you just touch a little bit more on that as far as how they inspire you on the field, off the field, and how just your appreciation for them really, you kind of wear on your sleeve, I feel like, as an athlete and as someone who goes about their business week in and week out on the field? Yeah, you know, I, I've said it before many times. You know, my parents are one of the biggest reasons I am where I am today. You know, I've been able to be like I've been able to watch my mom and my dad work so hard to be able to put food on the table for me, keep a roof over my head, and you know, give me clothes wherever day. And just to be able to watch what they do, not for just me, but for the people around them, is just it, it's very inspiring. You know, it, it makes me want to work harder every day to become a better person because that's what I'm. I was able to, you know, kind of grow up being able to like watch and see every day my yeah i love that answer because you know i know family is huge to both caden and i and so it's it's neat to talk with people who you know it's it's a similar kind of aspect of their life um you know really the last thing we had for you on this podcast is we've asked most of our previous guests this question and that was if we were to visit and come for an old dominion football game uh what are some things that you jason henderson would say hey we have to do while we're in norfolk like what are some of the best stops uh, places to eat, you know, those types of things around Norfolk? You know, honestly, I, I've lived here for almost two years now. I, I still haven't done much. Um, There's a lot of really good places to eat. One place me and my family really love, I believe it's on Collie. It's a no-frill bar and grill. It's a very good restaurant. Um, You know, definitely got to go fishing, honestly. I, I really enjoy going fishing down here. And um, I don't know. It's tough. There's, there's a couple of really nice golf courses. I'm not myself personally a very big golf golfer but uh i know a bunch of my teammates really like to get out there and golf with them with them and their uh, friends so well i definitely think that gave us a little bit of a game plan i guess caden and i will have to uh you know bring some fishing poles next time and maybe we can all get together and, and go fishing down on the shoreline does that sound like a plan absolutely cool well jason we really appreciate it obviously uh having an excellent season certainly wishing you guys the best of luck throughout the rest of the year and you personally as you continue to chase uh you know records uh so we really appreciate you joining us today and I uh, hope that uh, the rest of your season goes well. Thank you. I appreciate it. What a fantastic interview there with Jason Kane. I love the fact that he's a big fisher, but so much fun stuff in that interview talking about, you know, his play as a linebacker, even dating all the way back to, you know, him playing or being a wrestler in high school. He's just a guy that it feels like craves contact. No, Jason, I can tell you immediately, he's the kind of guy that I would have loved to have on my defense. I know a couple of guys who crave the contact and were great to, as a safety, have play in front of you and watch them clean up so many mistakes and make so many plays. And he's doing it to the crazy level, to a ridiculous level that we haven't really seen as much in the conference. So it was great to talk to him, but talking to him was great. And we have a great matchup though as well this week to talk about it's georgia southern versus louisiana two teams that are kind of in similar positions both fighting for some bowl eligibility both coming off of tough one score losses noah tell us a little bit about this matchup we're heading into this week yeah this game's going to take place thursday night 7 30 on espnu and it's actually going to be louisiana's third midweek game of the season but just the first that they've played at home they're one and one 
in the previous two meetings. It'll be the sixth meeting between Georgia Southern and Louisiana. And Caden, you mentioned bowl eligibility. There's one team in this game that has a chance to become bowl eligible. And if you think back to previous seasons, it probably wouldn't be the name that I'm about to say. And that's Georgia Southern, a chance here to pick up their sixth win and become bowl eligible in the first year under Clay Helton. And Caden, all season long, the story for Georgia Southern has been the play of their quarterback, Kyle Van Trees. Uh, and in this game, expect something very similar. But what I'm watching out for, Caden, is Louisiana's secondary. That defense has been very good this year. They lead the Sun Belt with 14 interceptions. And if there was one thing that we could nitpick Kyle's game this year, it's been the 13 interceptions that he's thrown. But if you look over the last couple games, Caden, he's cleaned that up just two interceptions in his last three games. Why is he having more success as the season's gone on in that category? Well, I think it's funny you talk about this matchup historically. We look at last year, Levi Lewis threw three touchdowns in this game, and you look at Louisiana last week scoring strictly on the ground, and now the roles have reversed. Now Georgia Southern, the team, is throwing the ball, and that's a lot of because of Kyle Van Treese. And you talk about the turnovers, had some rough games, had some three interception, a four interception game early in this season, but you look at his last couple of weeks, he's been cleaning things up, and I think it's really been a product of him getting more comfortable in this offense and just developing, developing his trust with his wide receivers. I think you look at him being a first-year guy in the system, and we talked about him in the podcast, in spring, in fall camp, you can get things going and clicking as an offense. But then once you get into the season, you're really playing in those big-time games, and now you have another team showing you different defensive looks. It's a little bit difficult to get that momentum going. And they obviously rely on him a lot. He's leading the nation in pass attempts, I'm pretty sure. So there's going to be interceptions that come with that. But when you see a guy throwing for 45, 50, pass attempts game and only coming out with an interception or zero interceptions, it's great to see. So I'm super excited to watch him go up against a secondary who is known to take the ball away. They're leading the conference right now in interception. So I think it's going to be a great matchup and a really key part of this game as far as who can win the turnover battle. On the other side, you've got Ben Wooldridge, who Caden needs to bounce back in this game. He had been on this insane two-game stretch where he threw for over 300 yards in both of those games, including 370 in one game. He threw seven touchdowns during that two-game stretch, uh, but that was all prior to facing this Troy defense that we've talked about so many times this year. Caden, you joked before this podcast that at some point we might need to start throwing out games against this Troy defense because they just do things, dirty things to uh, opposing quarterbacks, but he failed to throw a touchdown last week, threw for just 112 yards. What does he need to do to bounce back against Georgia Southern in this contest? Like you mentioned, if you go up against Troy's defense, we haven't seen many quarterbacks this year do very well. But you look at Ben's lines, and ever since he became the starter, he's been having great games, throwing for 200, 300-yard games, a five-touchdown game that we remember, obviously, against Arkansas State. I think for this one, he just has to get back on the horse. Hopefully, he realizes, just like we do, that that Troy team is a different level of defense, and he's going up against a much, much more vulnerable defense in this Georgia Southern team, who's one of the worst at defending the pass and the worst at defending the run. And we saw last week, when things did push come to shove, for him and he couldn't get things done with his arm he did things with his legs that were helpful for them he reached the end zone twice with his legs so I think in this one he might be able to use a combination of two of those things against Troy it was tough for him throwing the ball so he resorted to his legs and in past games he's been able to rely on his arm so I'm looking for him to kind of use a combination of both against the Georgia Southern defense that is vulnerable he's going to have Kyle Van Trees on the other side pushing the ball down the field and pushing the pace and I think he has proven up until last week against Troy obviously that he'll be able to do the same thing yeah, he's been you know looking good and certainly has answered a lot of questions at that quarterback position for Louisiana. Another guy who's kind of had a quietly, I'm going to even use the word great season, has been Jalen White, the running back for Georgia Southern. And this game appears set up for him to perhaps have another good game. Louisiana's defense has been good, decent against the run this year. But he comes into this game, Caden, and if you 
looked at the stats right now. He's third in the Sun Belt with 743 yards on the ground, 10 touchdowns, trailing only in LaDamian Webb and Kalen Laybourne, who each have 13. Jalen White has really put himself in the conversation as one of the premier running backs in this league, but it has flown under the radar a bit because of how good at Georgia Southern is at passing the football. You're 100% right. It's definitely been going under the radar, and it's definitely a product of their offense being the spectacle that is Kyle Van Trees throwing the ball and those big statistical days that always overshadow the rushing days that he might have. And I think another reason it's been overshadowed because the games that they run the ball the best is the games they're passing the ball as well. I think when you look at Kyle Van Trees, when he has games where he has defenses having to worry about that deep ball, when he has his receivers down the field making big plays, you see the defense kind of get on their heels a little bit, and that's when you see Jalen White really be able to cook and pull off some big runs. He has 10 touchdowns on the ground this year, and a lot of them are from plays where you have to worry about throughout a game, uh, is a receiver going to get open deep? Is Kyle Vantry going to launch it? And the next thing you know, Jalen White's using his speed, his size, his strength to make some things work. And he's also a great back out the backfield as far as catching the ball, has 189 yards in that department too. So I think he's really quietly become one of the best dual threat running backs that we've seen in the conference this year. Another guy and, you know, another aspect of this game that's going to be really important, Caden, is that battle inside the trenches. And this is a Louisiana team that's been pretty good in the trenches. But then on the other side, they're going up against the Georgia Southern offensive line that's been elite this season. They've given up just three sacks. They did give up a sack last week. Important to note that. But one of the, I think, key cogs, maybe the X factors in this game is Zion Hill Green, the defensive lineman for Louisiana, comes into this contest with 11 and a half TFL, six and a half sacks on the season. What does that Louisiana defensive line need to do to have success against this very talented offensive line for Georgia Southern? The defensive line for Louisiana is in Tom Cruise right now because they're 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 mission impossible mode. I think you look at this Georgia Southern team up front, they're they're Kyle Ventrice's bodyguards that like we talked about. They're gonna kick you out of the club if you get into this VIP section, if you try to get in his pocket. And that's why he's been so successful because he's had time back there. He's been able to pat the ball really go through all of his progressions and hit his guys. And a lot of that has been a product of good offensive line play. So if you're looking at Louisiana, you're watching the film and you're saying, man, these, these, even these offensive linemen are stingy. They're not letting us back there. I think the last game they had three sacks against Troy and only two quarterback hurries. Those hurries and that pressure is just not going to be able to cut it against a Georgia Southern team. So if this unit can somehow, some way do what a lot of teams haven't done this year and make Kyle Van Trees uncomfortable, that'll be big for them. That's going to be a huge task for them going into this one. Georgia Southern comes in. They're giving up nearly 500 yards per game through the air, by far and away the worst in the Sun Belt. Louisiana comes in, giving up about 345 uh, through the air. Caden, secondary play is going to be a big aspect of this game. You're uniquely qualified to talk about that. When you go into a matchup where you know that you've got two quarterbacks uh, that can throw it deep, you know what is your mindset going into that matchup as a defensive player in that secondary? Yeah, this is one of those weeks where you just have to get your track spikes ready. I think these guys probably after practice, both teams are doing some deep ball drills, making sure they're making the most of their opportunities when the ball is in the air. Because if you're an opportunistic defense like Louisiana, who does get their hands on the ball, they're having a rare opportunity where their teams mostly not avoid throwing them balls, but they know how opportunistic those defensive backs are. And they know that they like to get their hands on the ball and get some interceptions. So I think they're going to be looking forward to this matchup against Georgia Southern's wide receivers as well, which is really the most excited about as far as matchups go in this game, you look at Kyle Van Treese and his targets like Derwin Burgess and Caleb Hood. Those are two guys who rank in the top 10 of the conference in receiving yards. It's because they get the ball so much and they have such a level of trust with Kyle Van Treese. And on the other side, you look at Louisiana's secondary and it's one of the best in the nation. We've talked about Draylon, 
Braylon Trayan on this podcast, four interceptions, one of the few guys in the conference is doing that. Eric Garr, who's a great returner and a great cover corner. Trey Amos, who leads the team in pass breakups at the other corner spot. It's going to be a great matchup, and I think the secondaries will have a huge part of this game, more than probably any other game they've had in the season with just the nature of these two teams and how they like to throw the ball. Really, the last thing I wanted to mention is we kind of transition just a little bit away from defense, but it obviously applies to the defense, is this could be one of the best wide receiver games that we have seen all year long. You look at Caleb Hood, who's just four catches away from becoming uh, the career leader in terms of catches uh, at Georgia Southern. Uh, you talked about Burgess there a moment ago, Michael Jefferson for Louisiana. Kane, I think the wide receivers have a really good chance to shine very bright on Thursday night, which could lead to a lot of fun football. Yeah, that was definitely something we touched on in Georgia Southern's matchup with South Alabama because we're familiar with this firepower that they have at the wide receiver position as well. But look at this Louisiana team. They haven't really been notorious throughout the years, really, for being known for their wide receiver attack in their rooms and the talent they have. But they've always had size. They've always had speed and skill. But they've always leaned towards running the ball more than throwing the ball. But then you get a quarterback like Ben Woldridge, who's been getting these guys really more involved than they ever have been. It's been great to see guys like Michael Jefferson get involved, Neil Johnson, the tight end, get involved. We don't talk about tight ends quite enough in the sum up because they don't get used that much. But I think when you look at Ben Woldridge, because he's a backup quarterback who's now gotten the starting role, he's not playing any favorites. He doesn't care who he's throwing the ball to. He's just trying to get his stats up, get his team in a position to win and really hasn't discriminated as far as getting the ball to anyone on the team. So I'm super excited to watch him do that and try to keep this paced with a Georgia Southern offense and a wide receiver room who's a little bit more comfortable as far as getting those extended targets and getting a bunch of balls that are 50-50 balls and having the game really be in their hands as far as when they're down and when they're up. They've been a huge part of why they win, but if you look at Louisiana, their right receivers are now kind of getting used to being a part of how they win. So I'm super excited to watch both of these teams and these receiver rooms in a battle that will be surely a great one. Well, this will be our seventh and final midweek game of the year. The home team three and three in midweek games this season. Uh, and the home team has combined to win three of the last four midweek games. So certainly be watching out for that Louisiana, the home team in this game. Well, Caden, let's move on to our favorite section of almost every episode where we preview. And that's where we make our picks. Uh, Louisiana versus Georgia Southern. Uh, UL comes in as a three-point favorite in this game at home. Uh, Over-under sits at 59.5, and, and because I'm in a giving mood here tonight, I'm going to let you go first. I appreciate that, Noah. And going into this one, this is really a tough matchup. You look at the line, those three points are obviously given to the Cajuns for being at home. So really, it seems like Vegas thinks this is going to be a close and tight matchup, and I think it will be. We talked about both teams coming into this one with trying to bounce back from those one-point losses. And I think if you look at teams in bounce-back situations this year, I have to go with Georgia Southern. The biggest thing that stood out for me when their season is they took that tough loss to Georgia State where Kyle Van Treese was turning the ball over a bunch, and they come back and get that upset win against JMU, which I still think is one of the most signature wins of the conference this year, and I think that really shows Georgia Southern's full potential on the season. I think Kyle Van Treese, like we talked about before, will be very well protected in this one. I think he'll be able to do what he has to do and really put the team on his back like he does week in and week out, but I think when you look at Louisiana, they're struggling off of two losses. They've played some great defenses in the past two weeks, and they will be playing a defense in this game in Georgia Southern that isn't as good as the ones they've played in the past. But I still think it's going to take a little bit of them to get adjusted into this game and work their way into it versus Georgia Southern. I just think they're a little bit more ready. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to go with the air attack of this one, the air raid and the shootout on the weekday. I'm going to take Georgia Southern. I'm going to take them covering and I'm going to take the over on the points. I think they're going to be able to push the tempo in this one that Wooldridge will also be able to make some things happen for that Louisiana offense. 
Well, as the season has progressed, Caden, you and I have disagreed more and more, and I think that's a great thing for this podcast. Uh, and we're going to disagree again here. Uh, I'm taking Louisiana to win this game at home against Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern coming in a chance to get to bowl eligibility. Um, but here's the stat to know in this game. Louisiana, over the last three seasons, they're 13-2 and two at home at Cajun Field. Something is different when they get down into the bayou uh, in Lafayette, uh, they've lost the one game at home this year to South Alabama, which snapped an 11 game win streak, but they bounced back and had a great performance against Arkansas state. Uh, Troy's a tough team. So I'll discount that a little bit. Um, you know, losing, uh, losing to Troy at home. Uh, but I'm taking the Cajuns in this game and Caden, uh, they've been playing better football. They've lost two in a row, but I think this is an opportunity for them to bounce back. We mentioned this will be their third midweek game. The previous two have been on the road. I think there's going to be some home cooking going on here. So give me Louisiana to win. Here's where I'm going to also differ from you, Caden. I'm going to take the under on this one, and it's because the over-under sits at 59.5 in this game, and I went back and did a little bit of research, a little bit of digging. When you combine the scores of teams this year in midweek games, you average them out, teams are combined to about a little over 50 points per game. I'll give you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. Take out the Troy-South Alabama game that saw just 16 points, and we're still at 57.2 points per game in midweek games. So I'm going to take the under ever so slightly. The only thing is we have not seen an offense like Georgia Southern on a Thursday night. And certainly I think that could cause some fits. You, you touched it and you hit the nail right on the head. You talked about these defensive matchups that we've seen during the week and none of the weekday games have seen a team quite like Georgia Southern. I think just looking at them, they haven't been on the national stage in a while, really since that Nebraska game. I'm looking forward to watching them there again. And with them having one game for bowl eligibility too, I just really look at Kyle Van Trees and this offense, maybe trying to make a statement in this one. We're on national TV. We can get bowl eligible and we can give the Sunbelt Conference really an offensive show and some offensive fireworks that they haven't been able to see all year. So that's another reason why I'm taking them. That might be a little bit of my heart and what I want to see out of this game. But I think it's not a bad pick with Louisiana as well. I think this is going to be a super great and exciting game and really a good one to end the, the midweek games on as far as the Sunbelt Conference goes and what they've shown teams nationally this week as far as their talent. Well, definitely excited for this one on Thursday night. We'll both have our eyes tuned in, but that was, that'll do it for another great episode of the Ferry and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say special thank you to Jason Henderson, as well as senior associate athletic director, Eric Bohannon for helping make this or that or this interview happen rather. Uh, before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll discuss all the big games this weekend, including another tough test for East Division favorite Coastal Carolina at home against Southern Miss. Again, thanks for taking time to listen today. If you like what you heard on this episode of the Prairie and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you'll never miss an episode. And if you'd be so kind, leave us a five-star rating on either Apple or Spotify. We love hearing what y'all think. Finally, Take a moment to follow the show on our Twitter page at at Prairie and Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.